0: All right, Armchair Army, this is Joshua back with another solo iteration of the Armchair May Show, and there has been a little bit of a break between the last episode and this episode. Like we uh, typically said, we're only doing the numbered UFC events, and it's been a little time since 266. The UFC has been kind of edging us, as it were, Um, but the fights are finally here, Right. Um, 267's come and went, 268 is on the come up, um, and, you know, we're gonna see how it all pans out, but, uh, fights that have happened since the most recent time that, uh, we all got together, there was a, a fight night, uh, Santos versus Walker, Tiago Santos, just too much for Johnny Walker, right, um, real, real, real experienced and Muay Thai and stuff, super powerful, so he was able to get Walker's respect, and he was able to be more technical than him, right? And Walker's a guy who typically is relying on his explosivity to, uh, you know, put guys in bad spots. So wasn't able to do that against Thiago. Thiago got the decision, I felt, as though he handled it pretty well. Um, Kevin Holland um, had a weird thing happen with him. Uh, he got headbutted uh, and got basically knocked out cold. Um, he called the other guy the winner, um, and they're trying to run it back, but it got ruled a no contest, right? Um, you know, incidentally legal headbutt, um, the fight like went on for a little bit longer. He was like clearly out, um, wasn't really able to defend himself. And, uh, Kyle Dawkins, who's the younger brother of another Dawkins guy who's fighting at heavyweight right now, who's knocking boys out, but he wound up sinking the choke in, um, but they ruled a no contest. Uh, Alex Oliveira lost a three-round decision to Nico Price, which, go Nico Price, um, you know, go that duty, typically being real eccentric and knocking boys out and stuff, but to actually grind out a three-round decision over someone like Cowboy Oliveira is like a big feather in that guy's cap. Christoph Jaco grinded out a win over Misha Serkonov. Uh, Alex Hernandez got a nice knockout though he looked really good the next set of fights was uh, fight night Dern versus Rodriguez Um, Marina Rodriguez actually pulled off the W in a a five round decision which I think no one was really expecting right Mackenzie Dern looks great Um, this wasn't wasn't how we were expecting the night to go Um, but I mean shout out to Marina there's only good things on the come up for her right she's trending in a super positive direction i can't wait to see what they wind up doing with her next i'd love to um you know see what comes to fruition there uh randy rude Boy got a decision went over uh gooden which was a good fight right uh randy's like long and lanky and uh gooden's like a powerhouse right so like the contradicting styles uh was a fun one the next set of fights was a uh, fight night lad versus Dumont, Bud Aspen lad, I don't know what's going on there. It's just not looking the best. If I recall correctly, she had to move up a weight class and this was like supposed to be her coming out party in her, uh, weight class that she was able to make weight in easier and, uh, yeah, did not go her way. Um, you know, I don't want to speak on any of this because I'm not a trainer, I'm not a fighter or anything like that. But I am going to speak on it because that's the point of a podcast. Um, it always kind of weirds me out whenever you have your spouse in your corner, right? Some people make it work, Rose Namajunas, for instance, um, but some people don't make it work, like uh, Mike Perry, you who's know, <laughs> in bare knuckle fighting now, which that's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that, but. To be frank, the trajectory of his career didn't quite go the way he was expecting in a line. I feel like some of that can be attributed to the period of time whenever he had his literal girlfriend in his corner. And so, you know, there's the complete opposite ends of the spectrum, right? So I'm not saying that it's, like, necessarily good or bad in terms of how it's going to work out in the, in the octagon. I'm just saying that it weirds me out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there are moments uh, where it just it just crosses lines and, like, gets gets weird, you know, uh, there, was a, there was a fight through the night whenever, I mean, hell, maybe it was, maybe it was, uh, <clears throat> no, it wasn't the Aspen-Lad fight, there was another fight where they were fighting and it was a, they were in a relationship and the person in the corner was telling the fighter they were doing, like, a real good job and they were not, um, but, but what can you do, you know, stuff like that happens. Um, Andrei Orlovsky, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what do you do with Andre Orlovsky? The guy, like, either is able to out-compete someone technically for three whole rounds, or he gets caught on the chin and goes to sleep. Like, (laughs) what is going on? What happens with this guy? Who knows? Um, but I'm a big Andre fan. He trains with Gamebred and those guys. Um, I'm here for it, right? Um, like, keep letting Andre fight. Jim Miller, man, um, Another Timeless Wonder. They had the, This was like the Timeless Wonder card right here. Let me find out. Um, Jim Miller uh, caught this dude, Eric Gonzalez. Eric Gonzalez kept throwing these like naked kicks up the middle. And he got caught like half throwing one. It was like he, he threw it and then like didn't want to throw it. And then he went ahead and threw it anyways. You could tell it was all very awkward. And uh, yeah, man big big left hand over the top put the lights out immediately really really cool way for Jim to win the fight um I can't remember exactly what significance there was there but I believe that that fight did bear some type of significance I think maybe it was like the most number of times that anyone's competed in the octagon or whatever right but like the bottom line is it was like a big night for Jim and he knocked a dude out sent a guy to space so that's always fun the next fight night was Kosov versus Vittori, which really it's more like Kosov versus the scale. Um, <laughs> you're supposed to be fighting at 185, and then he's like, "Oh man, I want to fight at 195." Well, it's like, "Cool, well, it's, oh, I want to fight at 195, and I don't want to give up some of my purse because we're fighting at a freshly agreed upon weight." Oh well, that's not gonna work. Oh well, fuck it then. Let's just fight at 205. 20 whole pounds above the agreed-upon weight class, um, and it just gave every advantage to Paulo To Paulo Coast is a goddamn humongoloid, man, the guy is fucking huge, and so he came into the fight <laughs> weighing all of 225, clearly bigger than Marvin Vittori, and Marvin Vittori just bit down on his mouthpiece and walked right through that man, um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Marvin Vittori on the microphone. I've never you know, I'm not like, Oh my god, I can't wait to hear what Marvin Vittori's got to say. But his resume speaks for itself at this point. Um, the guy is clearly super talented. I think that he kinda of flew under my radar for a little while because he took that loss to Israel Sonya, and he just kinda of became an afterthought, right? But like the guy just kept on grinding and kept on grinding and got into the championship fight with Sonya again and you know, granted he got worked by Adesanya there, but I mean the guy's clearly a top-level talent. Whatever he's doing um, to Paulo Costa, what he did. Um, so what do you do? What do you do there? Um, Grant Dawson, Rick Glenn. There's a draw on the card. That's neat. That's always fun. Um, Afro Samurai, Alex Asares, um submitted, uh, got a submission victory in the second round. Which is cool, go him. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Alex Cesaris's brother is the guy who has that one win over Kamaru Usman. Kamaru Usman told the story about it on a uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. How the promoter had basically put a lot of weird pressure on them as fighters going into the going into that night of fight, saying that like if you go to sleep on a choke, I'm not letting you fight for the next six to twelve months. And Kumaro basically like tapped a little sooner than he might have, um, because he was so young and fresh in his career. He was more concerned about getting the next paycheck right, and was like, "Well, fuck! I you know, I, I can't really fight through this choke all the way that I'd like to, because I could potentially go to sleep, and I'm not going to risk that right now." It just you know wasn't at the point in his career he was really comfortable with it, and admits that he clearly got right and this Alex Cesares, He's a long lanky guy. His brother's a long lanky guy, and got him in a rear naked choke. Um but so that's the story of uh Kumaro getting uh rear naked choked and getting that one loss on his record. Uh let's see here. The next set of fights. Oh, that's the big one, right? That's two sixty-seven. Um Magomed Akalayev um looked really great, right? Um grinded out a win over Volcanoz, Samir. Um, you know, he's not like the most incredibly exciting fighter, but, um, he's that dude. He's going to keep winning. I don't know what they're going to do with that guy other than like, keep moving him up the chain, which also the person who stole the, the, the night was the referee who during I can't remember which fight it was. It was a fight earlier on in the night. It was like a real overwhelming victory for a guy but, like this referee had several gaffs right like he didn't call the ref in whenever a fighter told him that he couldn't see after an eye poke he like deducted a point from the guy who was dominating the fight after like one clearly inadvertent and insignificant groin strike um yeah apparently like mark goddard was like having a meltdown on the side of the octagon and a. You wind up kicking homie like out of the arena. <laughs> like you don't get to referee anymore for the evening. And uh, Mark Goddard actually wound up being the referee during the uh, Akhileya fight that was supposed to be another fight that was refereed by that Nikolai guy that they wound up kicking out. But so the 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 referee were like doing a terrible job it was like one of the big one of the big storylines throughout the entire event. But then, really, really. The guy who stole as much of the thunder as you can possibly imagine was Kazmat Chimeyev, right? Um, homie made Li Jingling look mediocre, right? I mean, even, like, you could tell by, like, Li's body language after the fight that he was like, holy shit, that guy's really good. (laughs) Like, everybody's just like, holy shit, that guy's really good. Um you know, I feel like the next person he fights has to be in the top 10. Like I, I typically I'd be like, give him one of the top 15. Fuck it. Give him the top 10. I mean, the guy's been caught with two significant strikes in four fights. The guy is a destroyer and like, you know, it's clear that he's smart, right? He's just going to Take the path of least resistance to victory, right? Like, if you're a grappler, he's going to knock your ass the fuck out. If you're a person who's going to knock him the fuck out, he's going to grapple you. And, I mean, he's he's done it twice now. He's got, uh, he's got like, a ground-and-pound finish, a knockout, a submission. Uh, and I don't remember what the other one was. It was one of those three, though, right? I mean, he's done nothing but dominate. So we're going to see what happens with him moving forward. Alexander Volkov uh, won... Against Marcin Tybura, you know, I thought it was two one for Volkov, you know, um, but man, Tybura had a really, really good second round, and you know, he he kept coming with the pressure, you know, forward, but just Volkov so long and so seasoned, and he was just able to really turn it on in the third round and like really kind of sealed the deal. got like it. It felt like at the end of the fight, Volkov had won the fight. Islam Makachev submitted Dan Hooker so fast. It was so crazy. It felt like Khabib on Michael Johnson, except more impressive because Dan Hooker's a more impressive feather in your cap than uh, Michael Johnson. Not to say that Michael Johnson isn't an impressive victory, right? Like, he's knocked out fucking Dustin Poirier and shit, right? Like, he's a he's a lightning quick striker, right? But Dan, Horker, Dan Hooker's like a real 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 tip of the spear guy right like um after michael johnson they had to give khabib like one more like barometer fight to see like where he really was right and like nah you go in and do that to dan hooker we know exactly where you are but you're at the top of the heap we're gonna figure out what to do with you so that'll be interesting um peter Yon did the damn thing against Corey Sandhagen, I'm a big Brendan Schaub fan, so I'm a big Corey Sandhagen fan, Um, but, yeah, I I had Peter picked in four, honestly, I didn't, he's just so good, he starts turning it on, right, like, he threw, like, half as many strikes as Corey Sandhagen did, but landed more significant strikes, right, like, it's crazy um, what the guy is able to do. Um, he's really, really, really good with his anti-wrestling and with his high guard. It's like I, th- I think the only thing that anyone's ever going to be able to do to him is they're going to have to really, really compromise his front leg so that he's not able to move as well. And then they're going to have to compromise his body with body kicks so that his hands drop, and then they're going to be able to beat that guy up. You know what I'm saying? Like you're gonna have to go in there and like compromise one tool, then compromise the gas tank, then compromise the fighter entirely. It's like the only way that anybody's gonna be able to beat Peter Young. He's got a head like a cinder block. I don't think anybody's gonna knock him out at that especially with that weight class. Um, and so, yeah, I think you know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hard, hard, hard puzzle for anybody to figure out. You know, we'll we'll get him and Aljamain Sterling again and he'll drown Aljamain Sterling like he was drowning him last time, you know, um, hopefully the next time he doesn't just knee him in the temple while he's on the ground though, like an asshole, um, but, you know, hey, it's a fight, bud, it's a fight, um, but then the man of the whole day is Glover Teixeira, man, the guy is timeless, what's he, like, 42? So I remember. I remember whenever I watched the fights, they put a statistic up that showed that he was the second oldest UFC champion in history. In the modern era, in the modern, in the, like in the modern mixed martial arts era, the guy at forty two went out there and won, and won a championship. If that doesn't motivate anybody to go and do this shit, you it's it's unreal you know, which granted, he's been doing this shit since he was 12, you know what I'm saying, he's a, he's a, a lifelong miss, miss Martial Artist, but, um, you know, at 42, the man went and did it, M- more power to him, um, you know, uh, Jan made one really bad strategic move, right, uh, they were, uh, grappling up against the cage in the second round, and, uh, Jan got two-on-one control on, uh, one of Glover's arms, and he, like, Dove on it, pulled guard and like tried to attack an Americana and man, Glover's just too good on top, too good on top. Uh, wound up grinding, pounding him a little bit, getting him turned over, took his back, um, uh, flattened him out, rear neck and choke. Academic it was beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. I really enjoyed it. I'm a big Glover fan, um. So it was it was a lot of fun to get to watch Glover so, and go do that. Other stuff that's happening in the mixed martial arts world outside of the UFC, um, Bellator 268, Corey Anderson beat Ryan Bader via TKO in under a minute. So much for getting cut from the UFC for not being exciting enough. Pay that, man. Show the world how viable free agency is, my dude. Go get that money for real, like, go go show the world that you can get that money, you know, because uh, I, I am one of those people who am really not a big fan of Dana making enough money off scraping pennies off of every other fighter so that he can go and buy his neighboring estates so that he can throw rage in enough ragers to satiate his appetite for ragers um, without it pissing off his rich neighbors who live fucking quarters of miles away because they're on fucking estates right and the guy's like oh no no no. they're they can hear me a mile away and they're gonna bitch fuck that let me buy that estate too you know and so there there's an egregious amount of wealth that's happening up at the top and I think that they could definitely pay people more it's the bottom line and I want that to happen and I think that one of the big things is going to cause that is guys like Corey Anderson who are kind of gatekeeping up towards the top um, going to different organizations, getting a million dollars in PFL, getting the the mega payday, getting getting a Lamborghini as a as a as a, you know, an incentive pay, you know, what I'm saying these guys get taken care of when they go and and help these other organizations, they're cash cows for them. Uh, the PFL Championship Tourney culminated, which was a dope thing to watch. Um. It's the first time I've ever actually sat down and watched their entire tournament. i watched pretty much every event leading up to it over the past however many months and got to watch the entire event. It was on like a Tuesday, which is kind of weird. Um, you know, it just didn't seem like prime time, but they got it done. They got it aired on ESPN with the big boy contract, handed out some big boy checks, handed out like $6 million in checks to just champions alone, which is fucking dope. Go you know, these guys again, fucking up the UFC's model. Not letting them just rake boys over the coals with the cash. You know, it's hard to do that whenever PFL is dropping million-dollar bags on every champion every time. Kayla freaking Harrison, 155 champ. Holy God, she fucking devastated some person. I can't remember their name. I don't mean any disrespect to that person, but let's be frank. The storyline here is that Kayla Harrison is a goddamn destroyer. I mean full mount, arm bar easy peasy, academic, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful to watch Kayla Harrison do her work, I don't know what's ever gonna change, I don't think it's, she's just like gonna get bored, I guess, that's what I would gamble, she's gonna get bored, uh, Ray Cooper, violently slept mega millions in the third to get that money young samoan poor guy had to shave his head though to make weight i believe uh, don't quote me on that i may be wrong I, i i was in and out of the broadcast and i can't remember if he cut the hair to make the weight or if there was some other like hopefully there was something of, you know, significance outside of just, like, needing to shave off an extra two pounds. Because, like, man, that guy could have been, like, the next Troy Polamalu with, with head and shoulders, right? He could have been, like, getting that million-dollar Johnson & Johnson head and shoulder bag every month with that beautiful-ass hair. But also it wasn't over, right? The guy, the guy just made a million dollars and, like, can grow his hair out for the next two years and keep getting that money. Um, Clarissa Shields got her ass beat I mean come on Punching from the bottom is not going to get it done In the big leagues She's got some work to do over there But hey we all love Clarissa She's a big puncher she's super dangerous It's a lot of fun to watch I'm on the Clarissa Shields train It's just Objectively speaking man She's got a little work to do I mean, I think she's fighting at 155, and that's, like, the same weight class as Kayla Harrison. And, like, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my God. Kayla Harrison would eat Clarissa Shields' lunch. So, you know, she's got to get to where she can bang professionally on the ground. And, uh, you know, she's going to be there. Like, she, she's a talent. I'm really excited about her. Um, Bruno Capaloza took the heavyweight strap and earned every penny of that million dollars. Um, it broke his nose. I thought he was finished in the second whenever, uh, Delia was hammer fisting him from like three quarter mount. Um, I'm certain the lights went out for a second. Like dude was flat ass out on his back, like arms out, like crew, like on the cross, but somehow or another, man, the ref didn't stop it. And the guy came back to get the win. Kabulaev beat Chris Wade by unanimous decision. The guy just, you know, mauled him, Russell fucked him for, for the whole fight. It wasn't very exciting, but it was a clear, 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 super clear win. Uh, Chris Wade was not having it, man. He was, like, throwing, like, ho-ass kicks towards the end of the fight and, like, threw a clearly legal kick to the head and, like, didn't want to shake hands. this was, was like a big O, you know, very upset, about losing, and not only losing, but like losing to a guy who like hugged him the whole fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Chris Wade's a like meaner guy and like wanted to fight more. You know, and uh, I'm a Chris Wade fan. Like the guy, the guy earned the guy earned a bunch of respect out me that night. I just you know wish he could have taken the L on the chin a little better, but um, you know he's a fucking fighter, not a loser. So I understand. Um, a former UFC guy, Carlo, Antonio Carlos Jr., strangled Marthine Hamlet, rear naked choke style, on the first to win his light heavyweight tourney and the million-dollar cash-out. Go him. Again, you know, we had Corey Anderson go knock out Ryan Bader. Big day for him in another organization, former UFC guy. Now we've got Antonio Carlos Jr. going and taking the LHW strap in the PFL making a million dollars. You know, UFC fighters, keep your head on a swivel, man. Look at this money these guys are making. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Monfeo defeated uh, Rod Zabov in a unanimous decision in a back and forth slugfest. They they just, they, they fought it out. It was a good fight. Um, but just with Kayla Harrison and, and, and the heavyweight fights that came on later, this one just kind of, Went, you know, and and Carlos Jr. strangling that guy. Um, This one just kind of went by the wayside in the back of my mind. But it was a fun fight. Like, by no means was it not a good fight at all. Looking forward, we've got UFC 268. It's stacked, man. Stacked from top to bottom. I mean, they've got main card, preliminary card, and even some early prelims. Two championship rematches. Um, you got, uh, this is, I'm going to go from the bottom of the main card to the top. You've got Frankie Edgar versus Marlon Vera, my man, Cheeto. Frankie's been a little bit of a skid, man, but Frankie's also just like always getting fed to the toughest guys. Um, you know, it's just the nature of gatekeeping on the way out. Um, he's got Marlon Vera. It's a very interesting fight. I think it's very winnable for both guys. Um, you know, I don't know who to pick. I'd probably pick Frankie, but I feel like I keep picking Frankie and I keep losing um, you got Billy Quarantillo and Shane Burgos. So that's going to be a fun fight. Sixteen and three versus thirteen and three. I don't know who's going to win that. That's that's a wild fight. Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. My God, Fourth of July fireworks. I don't know who wins. I don't. Uh, I probably want Justin Gaethje to win. He's a little less corny, right? Like I feel like Michael Chandler, like kind of like puts on a little bit of a character so that he can he can get some money. Whereas Justin Gaethje is a little bit more authentic, right? Real recognizes real. Trill. Keep it trill. Go Justin Gaethje. Rose Lee uh, Zhang Wei-li. You know, Obviously, I'm going to go Rose Noma Yuna's. Um She's my girl, Thug Rose, although I don't like that Pat Berry is her coach over there in the corner. But, uh, you know, they make it work, man. Um, you know, heebie-jeebies that it gives me aside, right? Uh, she's a fantastic fighter. She's the best. She knows it, and you can't deny it. Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, man, Colby is gassed up for this fight, but Kumaro's the best on the planet, right, he was already the best on the planet, and then they fed that man to Trevor Whitman, and now it's like he's knocking Gilbert Burns down with a, with a southpaw jab as an orthodox fighter, it's just out of this world, what he's doing, so I'll see anybody being Kamaru anytime soon, um, but, you know, there's all kind of stuff happening out here out here in the u f c world and i could I could talk about this shit for days, boys and girls, but um you know, I feel like I covered some of the previous fights that have happened. I covered the most recent u f c card, covered some Bellator stuff, covered some p f l stuff um you know, talked about two sixty eight coming up, stayed out of the politics, stayed out of the connor stuff don't care about any of that man, I like fights, I like to talk about fights so uh you know let's talk about that let's see what everybody thinks um we'll be putting out another one in in a week or so uh in response to 268 uh thanks everybody so much for listening you know armchair army gang gang